On June 24th of this year, uh, the New York Times published an article stating that Russia's uh, lower house of parliaments, I think it's called the Duma, uh, that they passed a law handing down prison sentences of up to one year for failure to report a terrorist act or armed mutiny in the planning stages. Well, that bill happens to go on. And this bill has, they say, has been officially assigned a few weeks ago by Russia's president. But in addition to those other things, listen to this, listen to this. That that bill, it bans evangelizing. That bill, it bans preaching. And it bans praying. Here are the conditions, though. Outside of officially recognized religious institutions. And in Russia, uh, there's only one main officially recognized religious institution, and that is the Russian Orthodox Church. And if you don't know anything about the Russian Orthodox Church, here's one little tidbit that I'm sure will help you, that basically the government has its hand in the church. So if you are not part of the government-sanctioned religious institution, and you call yourself going to pray for somebody on the street corner, you could be fined, it says. And if you're part of some other type of institution, you can be fined in a major way, and ultimately maybe even go to prison. Well, this doesn't bode well for believers like you and me. We who are not part of that official church there in Russia, some of you say, well, it really doesn't matter because I wasn't planning on visiting Russia in the first place. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have uh, the commandment of Jesus to proclaim his gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. And if you are a believer, if you call yourself Jesus' disciple, he has called you to speak the gospel even in Russia. In fact, let's again, let's revisit what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Matthew. 24, verse 14. Heard this last time. Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And guess what? Just in case you were not aware of, that Russia is part of all nations. And then he says, and then the end will come. 
So under the guise of protecting their nation from terrorist activity, uh, they have uh, enacted laws preventing Christians from doing what they have been called to do by Jesus Christ. Christians once had a very uh, open time, lots of openness in Russia. But now that openness is beginning to constrict again. A time of freedom followed by a time of constriction, uh, specifically concerning your beliefs, is something that Jesus warned us about. And Jesus, he warned us about that this is a sign of things to come, that the end is coming. In fact, he says there's going to be a chunk of time and in which your beliefs, if you happen to be around at that time, uh, that you're going to be stopped from doing what you want to do. Jesus, he explains how these things will come about. Especially because there will be someone who will rise to power. There will be someone that promises to deliver peace. But know this, they're going to lie to you. They're going to look at you with a pretty face, and they're going to lie to you. And some people are going to believe that mess. So let's look at this prophetic backdrop of the coming abomination. Please turn with me to Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. And if you don't know where Daniel is, take a look in the Old Testament. Amen? If you go past Psalms and go past Proverbs and go past Ecclesiastes and go past Song of Solomon, you're almost there. Book of Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 says this. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision, vision and prophets, and to anoint a most holy place. These 70 weeks that we read here in the book of Daniel, that literally, and, and you need to take note here, that they are, they are broken up into three different segments. The first segment is seven weeks, right? And I know this is a little bit heady for some of you, but nevertheless, this is the word of the Lord. The first is broken up into seven weeks, followed by 62 weeks, followed by one week. Say it again, right? Seven weeks, 62 weeks, one week. As a matter of fact, why don't you repeat that with me? Come on. Seven weeks, try one more time, seven weeks, 62 weeks, and one week. When you add all those weeks up, how many weeks do you get? Oh man, you guys are really good in math. Praise the Lord. Let's shout. 
and understand what that's all about, you can read a little bit further, and we're going to get to, to that as well. So some would say these 70 weeks, it is a time span of 490 years. These, the entire 70 weeks put together, that it is a time span of uh, 490 years. Culminating in the first seven weeks, that it may refer to the initial rebuilding of the Jewish temple after the exile of the Israelites from Babylon. And you can look at that, look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. And then the next 62 weeks may refer to the entire time leading up to the coming of Jesus Christ and him being cutting off through his crucifixion. And then that final week, that single week, Remember, there were seven weeks, 62 weeks, and then one week. That final week. This final week refers to, here it is, the great tribulation in which Jesus speaks about in our word that we're going to cover today. So today we are talking about that final week. Turn with me now to the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 13, verse 14. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 14. And here he is. The abomination of the tribulation. Remember, the tribulation is a time in which all hell is going to break out on earth. And things are going to go pretty good. We'll have our ups and downs, and then we have the rapture. Again, we've covered the rapture uh, before, in which uh, Jesus Christ, that he's going to remove all of his saints, right? Those who are saved at that time, before the rapture happens. And then, after the rapture happens, all the believers are caught up in the air, out of this mess. Then the tribulation will happen. Mark 13, 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be. You see, this is a person where, I call him a thing, right? Where he ought not to be. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Read that one more time. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So, let's just start here. What on earth is the abomination of desolation? Sometime in the future, maybe in our kids' lifetime, maybe in their kids' lifetime, it's not even far Fetch for it to happen in our lifetime. That the temple there in Israel, that it will be rebuilt, right? You know what the temple is because you've seen it sometime in your life. You see this wall there in Jerusalem and you see uh, the Jews, they go to the wall and they take pieces of paper and they stick it in the crevices of the wall all over the place. And sometimes you see the Orthodox Jews there with a yarmulke on and the, uh, I forget, the, uh, that stole that goes around their neck and they're at that wall and they're shaking back and forth 
praying today, it's happening right now. Praying back and forth, rocking back and forth. One of the things that they're praying for is that that temple, temple which has been destroyed, that it can be rebuilt. Did you know that? That this is a fact of history. That right now, as you sit here in the comfort of this air conditioning, that Jews are there at that wall praying, praying that the temple would be rebuilt. Fascinating. So sometime in the future, that temple, it will be rebuilt. Uh, one more quick note. You know what that temple is because when you've seen Jerusalem, oftentimes you'll see uh, like a golden dome there. You've seen that golden dome, pictures of, of Jerusalem? That golden dome in which uh, Muslims say, oh, uh, the, the temple was never there, that this right here, that that was none other than, uh, uh, none other than uh, what's his name, Mohammed. Right? It has to do with Mohammed right there. But wait a minute, how, how can that even be if the temple was built even before the time of Jesus Christ? How can that even be in the first place? So when that temple is rebuilt, it will certainly be a time of rejoicing for many. But guess what? After that temple is rebuilt, can you imagine the celebration that's going to go on? Can you imagine all the parties that's going to happen all over the place? But once that temple is rebuilt, you know what's going to happen? That that will usher in the time of the Antichrist. That when that temple is rebuilt, that will usher in the time of the Antichrist. Well, some people believe that well, what they're talking about in Scripture, talking about the temple being rebuilt, they're talking about God's people, talking about the church itself. Well, I'm not sure about that. But at this time, when the Antichrist comes in, know that the time of the tribulation, that it would have been in full force on the earth. I mean, we, again, we're talking about violence in, all over the place in our nation now. But man, if you happen to be alive during that week, remember what Daniel talked about, seven weeks, 62 weeks, and then that one week, that one week is a tribulation. So in the midst of that, all hell would be broken loose. So this abomination of desolation refers to an idolatrous person so vile it causes the temple to be abandoned to be desolated. So they're going to go back to all of their burnt offerings and all their sacrifices to God uh, in, in complete disregard to Jesus Christ. You get it? They're still not going to get Jesus Christ. So they're going to build all this stuff up and they're going to begin all these things. And then there's one that's going to come in and he has another rap that he want to give to the folks. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, here it is, please turn here, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Matthew 24, verse 15. Jesus spoke of Daniel in this abomination of desolation. And I'm just going to read the first part of this verse. And Jesus says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of, by whom? By the prophet 
Daniel. So Jesus is referring to the prophet Daniel who spoke of the abomination of desolation. So again, Daniel, he provides some insight into this time. So what in the world is going to be going on? Let's return back to Daniel chapter 9, verse, verse 27, please. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Remember, we've already established that the week stands for how many years? Stand, that week stands for seven years. The week stands for seven years. Daniel 9, 27. And he shall make a strong covenant with many. Here it is. For how long? For one week. So those weeks, again, they refer to, uh, each day of the week they refer to a year, in essence. Each day of the week refer to a year. So if there's going to be that last, that last week, there's seven days in the week. So each day there will be seven years, uh, seven years for the tribulation. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end uh, to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Right? So in the middle of that seven weeks, which means uh, how many years is that in the middle of, of, uh, of seven years? Three and a half years. He's going to break all that other stuff. So he's going to initially come, he's going to say, look, we just need to learn how to love each other, Pastor Scott. Can't we all just get along? All this hell is breaking out in, in, in the world. Why don't someone just go ahead and vote for me to be king of the world? You see how much, how loving I am. You see that I care for people. You see that I'm in for engaging in fellowship and building one another up, he will say. But it's like Jeremiah the prophet, how he says that there are going to be people that, that will announce peace, peace. Jeremiah says, but then he says, when there is no peace. So again, he'll tell everybody, hey, let's just get along. Can't you see that bubbling up in our culture right here today? That we are, we're hoping that uh, we would get unity in these here United States of ours. Maybe someone can come along that would draw us all together and just keep us together to stop all of this violence from going on and talking about one another and dividing ourselves amongst one another. But can you imagine the devil keeping his word? When was the last time you realized that the devil kept his word? So halfway through that time, he allotted for peace. He will break the covenant. All bets will be off. And he will deceive a whole host of people who are not spiritually aware. In other words, uh, there are going to be plenty of people who would have not have read their Bibles. There will be plenty of people who call themselves 
Christians and, and they will be caught in a, in, in a very surprised manner. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. Daniel 11, verse 31. Again, speaking of this thing. It says, forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall uh, take away the regular burnt offering. And they shall set up the abomination that makes desolates. Well, listen to this. The abomination of desolation that it was once fulfilled. What? If you're telling me that the abomination of desolation was already fulfilled, then what are we doing here now? It had its first fulfillment back in 168 B.C. Now, I, I, I call it its first fulfillment because uh, sometimes in God's Word, there is what we call this trajectory of fulfillment of the prophetic. There is this trajectory of fulfillment of the prophetic. In other words, what this means is that uh, you'll get, in a small sense, uh, a fulfillment of prophecy here. But this will not be the final, final. But then later on, there will be a total, uh, complete fulfillment of that prophecy later. And back in December 15th, listen to this, December 15th, 168 B.C., before the birth of Christ. At that time, there was a ruler named Antiochus Epiphanes. Sounds like a mouthful. Antiochus Epiphanes. That he attacked the Jewish people and their faith and culture, and he went into their religious institution, he removed their high priest, and he replaced him with his own preacher. Antiochus, he gave his, himself the name Epiphanes. You know why? Because he thought himself to be a manifestation of God. So the name Antiochus Epiphanes, he, he thought that he was a god. So imagine when you think yourself to be God, you try to do God things. So what did Antiochus do? He passed laws which stated that anyone found in possession, listen to this here, anyone found in possession of God's word, or if you read God's word, he'd give you a $25 ticket. No? You were sentenced to death. If you were found with a Bible in your hand and their religious police found you with a Bible in your hand, young or old, you might as well say bye-bye because your life would be over. And guess what? You couldn't even read it. I just read earlier about uh, one of our nations in this world of ours who, who are moving to this constriction, uh, this rejection of those uh, who are true believers in Jesus Christ. We've heard that already. Uh, 
But to have that government seal of approval means the government controls you. When your government tells you whether or not how, when, and how much you can read and gather together concerning your faith, remember that it is that government that is controlling you and not God. So if you are a believer, you need to decide now, I'm going to follow Jesus to my grave. I know some of you are still wondering, you know, he keeps talking about this, it seems like Pastor Spencer has a martyr's complex, Right? He just want us to die for Jesus Christ. No, I'm not saying this. All I'm saying is, you know, all faith is good, amen, in Jesus Christ. Uh, the love of Jesus is good. We must proclaim grace. We must proclaim mercy. We must believe that God heals people. We must believe that God brings us together. But we also must know that you could exist at a time when there is mass suffering for Christians. If you've never heard this message, you've been bamboozled. Because suffering goes with the Savior. He says, they hated me, and surely they will hate you as well. So back to Antiochus now. Remember Epiphanes, he thought himself to be God. So what did he do was so bad other than that? Well, he went into that temple, right? We already talked about that temple. And he erected the pagan god Zeus over the, uh, burnt, uh, the altar of burnt offering. And then what did he do? He sacrificed a pig in the Jewish temple. That was an abomination. These were terrible time for the Jews. If you are a disciple of Jesus, I hope you open your ears and your, and your heart to hear what thus says the Lord. Know your scriptures. Be discerning. And don't believe a liar. I don't care how good he or she may look. Amen? Don't believe a liar. So Jesus says that this is going to happen again, uh, but on a scale that you cannot imagine. Come on, again, back, back to Mark 13, 14. Jesus says, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And again, the one whom Jesus speaks of, this is the Antichrist. Well, let's read a little bit more. Now, uh, we've heard from Jesus, we've heard from Daniel, and now let's hear from John the Revelator. That's how you put these things together. Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And we need to read all of this, verses 5 through 9. And I'm reading now. And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. You see, 
This thing that calls itself the king of all kings, that he will have authority over the world. Verse 8, and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name, I would say that is, has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. I need for you to check for me right quick. See if you got ears on your head right quick. Just check. Just double check for me, would you? Some of you are filling a, a piece of flesh, and some of you don't have ears either. You see, because the ear that John the Revelation, uh, the, the Revelator is speaking of is the ear of the heart. You need to have the ear of the heart to be connected to the voice of God to get understanding. Clarify something here back in verse 5. And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Do you realize how long 42 months is? 42 months is three and a half years. So remember that the abomination of desolation, that it will come in the middle of that week, in the middle of those seven years. And we said that is how long? That that was three and a half years. He will put himself there. He would have made a covenant for the entire time. And then he's going to break it. And then for 42 months, which is the remainder of that three and a half years, for the remainder of that time, He's just going to get nasty. He's just going to get nasty for three and a half years, and he's going to do whatever he can imagine to do to you. When all these things and more happen, Jesus warns the believers, at least those who would be saved during the tribulation, he says, get out of town. Jesus says that if you are a believer during that time, he says, I hear, I know that you love me, but Jesus tells believers to do what? He says, run and run fast. Now, I know this doesn't sit right with some people. This is what Jesus says. So be on guard and take appropriate action when you see things that ought not to be. Be on guard. Here we go. Mark chapter 13, verses 15 through 20. So when you see this wicked fool who calls himself God uh, just begin to act super ugly and super nasty, he says this, verse 15. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything else. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. So if you decide, I know some people in here, you, you want to go to Arizona. Don't think just because you're going to Arizona that you're going to escape this time, because it's still going to be winter in the United States. Amen? Verse 19, 
For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elects, whom he chose, he shortened the days. In other words, Jesus says, if it wasn't for my people, I would go ahead and let it go on. But because of my people, I'm going to go ahead and pull the rug on this thing and get this thing moving ahead. So, instead of trying to figure out the timing of these events, I think it's best that we know what to do when they happen. Amen? Uh, I would say trying to figure out the timing of end times is like trying to play the stock markets, right? Uh, you try to figure out, I'm going to get my money in right now because I get it in now. It's at this lowest point and it's going to go up. And you put your money in and the stock market does what? Goes down, right? And then some of you, you say, uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put it in now. And then what happens? The very company that you put your stock in, it goes bust, right? Uh, right? So you can't quite figure out the exact time and, and you end up losing and losing a lot. So Jesus says, don't lose and don't try to figure it out, but be warned. So you are not going to know, I am not going to know with perfect exactness when these things will be. Now they are general signs and, and Jesus warns us. He's, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. So what are we supposed to do? Here we go. Jesus cautions us, uh, us who are discerning to be advised and take action. Uh, number one, he says, let the reader understand or be discerning. If you look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, he says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Right, he says, so those who are wise, when you hear the warning, you're going to say, you know what, I hear that, so I'm just going to do what Jesus told me to do. But then uh, you have a group of people that they're going to see that stuff, they're going to say, oh, I'm bad. Ain't nothing going to stop me, and I'm going right in the middle of that. Now, last night as I, as I was traveling, last night it was uh, thundering and lightning, and it was raining, and you can see the clouds, and the sky was dark, and I was uh, near O'Hare Airport, and I saw one of the planes as it was raining and lightning and the, and, and the clouds were dark. And as the plane was taken off, what he did, he went straight through it. If that was me, I was like, look, y'all, uh, we're just going to wait until this clear up. And then after this clears up, uh, then we go ahead and take off. You see, for me, when I see danger, I hide myself. But the simple go on and suffer for it. So why would you subject yourself to this troubling situation uh, that you could lose your life after Jesus has thoroughly warned you? Then he goes on to say, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. But you might be saying to yourself, uh, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but, but didn't Jesus command us to go out to all parts of the earth to share the gospel? Well, I'll tell you what, if Jesus is calling you to do that in the midst of that, you go ahead and do that. But what I do know is Jesus told me that when I see that to happen, you need to run. Now, I know uh, we were at basketball camp this last, last couple of weeks, amen? 
And I know that we saw these kids running one and two and three and four laps while some of our, our more mature saints kind of sat on the bleachers and watched them run for it, right? Amen? And I happen to be one of them sitting on the bleachers telling them, encourage them, go ahead, go ahead, move on, Benjamin, go ahead, come on, what's wrong, Donovan? You're out of breath already. But I tell you, if I saw all this stuff, uh, Benjamin and, and, and Donovan, if I saw all of these things, I'd be running there and I'd, I'd say, sorry, got to go. I'd be going, I'd be running in front of you. Notice that Jesus tells his disciples to run and not to share the gospel. This is Jesus speaking. So if God tells you to do something else and you go ahead and do it, right? See, the problem is uh, what you don't understand at this particular point in time in history, the world is ending up and there will be those who will be saved and those who will not have a possibility of being saved at all. That's it. Jesus would have closed the door and said, uh-uh, y'all ain't coming, because they would have sealed their fate for eternity. Jesus says, if you're up on the house, uh, up on the rooftop, don't go down and take anything out. And what this simply means is that during this, uh, during this ancient time, remember that the staircases for the homes, they were not on the inside like they are in your house. Right? Their staircases were on the outside of the house. And oftentimes they'll be drying herbs or whatever they're doing, maybe having a party on the roof of the house, whatever it may be. Uh, so in order to come down off of the roof, you had to go outside the house, right? So if you see all this stuff going on, imagine that you want to go down and say, okay, I'm going to go, but first I need to get, I, I need to get my iPhone because I left it in, in, inside the house, and then I need to get a water bottle, and then I need to get on, I, I need to, uh, to, to warm Auntie Bebe, and then I need to, uh, and I need to pick, I, I need at least uh, three pair of clean underwear because I'm not sure how long of this tribulation is going to last, and then I need at least a couple of pair of shoes, one pair of shoes to run in, and one pair of shoes to look good once I get where I'm going. And Jesus said, you do that, you're going to be in trouble. He says, leave all your junk and run for your life. He goes on to say, let the one who's in the field turn back. But well, why would you turn back if you're already in the field? Well, what they would typically do during this time is that once you went into the field of work, oftentimes you went in early in the morning and you would have like a cloak on because it's kind of cool. And then once you started wor working, you would take your cloak or whatever it was and you would put it on the fence outside uh, the field and then you started working the field. And then when it's time to go home, you would go back, get your cloak, put it on, and then go on home. And Jesus says that while you're working, if you see all that stuff out, uh, that coat that you get, that leather that you get, that fur, that squirrel, that mouse, whatever kind of fur that you got going on, Jesus says, leave it and run. It's wisdom. It says, pray that you're not pregnant during this time. I don't have to explain that. And then pray that it doesn't happen in winter. So the reason that Jesus highlights these things because it's going to be so terrible, practically no one is going to survive. Jesus says this love of tribulation has not been seen on the earth since the beginning of creation. But you see, our problem with our minds, right, is that we want to believe everybody and everything other than Jesus. Because we know better. 
We've read all this. We've heard all the stories all, our li all of our lives, and nothing has happened. <laughs> okay. Remember that during the time of Noah that some people heard that there is a flood coming. Remember during the time of Sodom and Gomorrah that people didn't believe and they were destroyed. They were warned. Remember in the Old Testament about the Jews who were consistently unfaithful to God, how they refused to follow God and they suffered for it and were banished from the land. And again he says, if it wasn't for my mercy, Jesus says, that no one would be saved during this horrible time. But thank goodness Jesus is long-suffering and patient with us. Amen? Because he wants to save people. He wants us to be connected with him. He wants us to love him. And the Lord wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And finally... Jesus, for the second time, warns us about the false Christ who will undoubtedly appear. Mark chapter 13, verse 21 through 23. We've already read this before. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, here's Jesus over here. Or I, I saw a picture of Jesus on a, a slice of toast. Or they say, look, here underneath this viaduct where the water had been coming down, uh, it is the picture uh, of Jesus somehow miraculously happened. So if someone comes to you and says, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Here it is. Remember that bookend we talked about at the beginning of this Three parts within this long series. Verse 23, but be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Again, these false Christs, they enter into the realm of humanity throughout history. This is the second time in Jesus' last day's teaching, he warned us about the coming Antichrist and false Christs. He warned us back in Mark chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. It's true that there will be a main antichrist, but walking around this earth today are little bitty antichrists all over the place. They have the spirit of the antichrist. As a matter of fact, the apostle John, he affirms this in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. The apostle John says this, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. Okay, uh, let, me, let me clear this up. So we, we talked about those 70 weeks earlier, and it looks like a certain per portion was already fulfilled, another portion was already fulfilled, but what about this other, what about this other section? I believe what's going on now is that uh, Jesus, that we are in between this period from the last, from the crucifixion of Christ uh, and before the resurrection. So right now we are living in between. So the years may not be concurrent. It may not be this year, then that year, then that year, 
than that year. No, so we have uh, the, the, the risen Savior, crucifixion, the risen Savior here, and then we have the tribulation, and us, we, all of us, we are living in the middle right now. We're living in the middle right now. And that next thing to come will be the tribulation, but uh, lots of other things will also go on first. So you must know, and you must be warned, there will be those who present themselves as Christ. But you may be asking yourself whether or not you will be deceived. Will it be me? Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, 24, 24. Again, the false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So if you are one of those peoples who only believe that people operate in the hand of God based off of the miracles in their life, you are a prime candidate for deception. You see that? Because Jesus says what? He says they will arise and do what? Perform what? Great signs and wonders. So just because it looks like somebody is healing someone, that doesn't necessarily make them a Christian. Just because they are, you know, uh, some of you may be wondering, some folks, oh, I saw this man levitate himself. He must really be tapped in, into the spiritual. I tell you, you, you need to run. Right, number one, if they're, not, if they're not admitting to Jesus Christ as their Lord and the Savior, that's your first and your main sign that you need to run. I don't care what kind of tricks they're doing. If they cannot acknowledge Jesus Christ and him alone, faith alone in Christ alone, if they cannot acknowledge that, you need to run and you need to run fast. Just get out of there. Don't believe that mess. <laughs> Come on, Matthew 7, 22 and 23. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So a person who calls himself a prophet, in this case, they don't even know Jesus. So, I tell you today, don't be listening to all that mess, anything everybody is telling you. Don't worry about that stuff. I've told you time and time again. I've had people who, who prophesied to me, and, uh, and because I didn't agree, agree with me, or agree with them, that the next word out of, out of their mouth was that I'm going to die a horrible death, and the Lord is disappointed with me, and this and that, and all this other stuff. And I just looked at it and said, okay, we'll see. Goodbye. Went on my business, and I slept good that night. Don't believe all that stuff. Right? He says here, uh, so someone who calls himself a prophet. All prophets are not prophets because many are prophets for profit. They will cast out demons in his name. Oh, I adjure you by the name of Jesus Christ that you come out now. They may not be of God. They're going to do mighty works in his name. 
And what will Jesus tell them? He says, uh-uh. You ain't coming up here. Because I don't even know you. If you are deeply committed to the Lord and are committed to his word, then you will be in good shape. Amen? But also know that scripture tells us that that we even may, it may be possible for even to the elect, for the elect to be deceived. So it is possible, right? That if you're a strong believer, that you can be deceived. So don't pick and choose what you accept from God. Don't pick and choose, oh, I believe this way. I see it. I know he, Jesus said that, but no, 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 no. I believe this way. He says, no. Don't pick and choose, because the moment you start to pick and choose, you can get in a lot of trouble. And we must learn to obey it all. Now, I know that this was not a happy dance message. That's okay. Jesus taught it to us. He preached it to his disciples. We must know. Remember that these are his last words leading up to his crucifixion. He's getting ready to be crucified. And he wanted his disciples to know that these are the things that's going to go on. And for that, I say thank you, Jesus. Let's pray.